process of having a webinar come out that I could let go of and that simplifies and makes me feel so much better, then great, that's life-giving. Simplify that right now. But you can't force your process of growth as you learn and grow and change what you're doing and what you're not doing. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with the life minimalist herself, Ali Casaza. She says, simplicity is relative. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. If you're an OG listener or purpose chaser, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to tune in week after week. And if you are brand new here, here's what you should know. This is not your typical personal finance podcast. We actually believe in this community that wealth is so much more than money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century original definition of wealth, which says it's about the condition of well-being. And so what we do here each and every week is take a look at what I call the six pillars of wealth. If you want to familiarize yourself, please head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here, patricewashington.com forward slash start here, and you'll get a little update about what each pillar represents. Today, in honor of really getting into spring, One of those pillars is the space pillar. We talk about how to set your life up to support you. And so I know it's springtime, the pollen is out, the birds are chirping, flowers are blooming, and many of us in this time have been forced into spring cleaning a bit involuntarily. Uh, But as a part of our Incredible Woman series, when I heard of Allie, when I met Allie, I just knew I wanted to have her at the podcast at some point. And it just worked out that this is such a wonderful time. So if you have been forcing yourself to line up the carrots in the crisper, (laughs) turn every can in the pantry, you know, the right way and just do things just the right way. Or if you've been overwhelmed because you are cooped up in your space right now and you're like, oh my gosh, this place is about to swallow me whole, right? And you need a little support. This is going to be such a great podcast episode. So without further ado, let's jump in and get to Allie's goodness. Allie's the host of The Purpose Show, a top-rated podcast, and the creator of online courses that have earned her international attention for her fresh, practical lifestyle strategies for moms. She's known as the life minimalist because she encourages and inspires women to pursue abundant life by creating space for what matters most. Without further ado, here is Ali Casaza. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Ali. Thank you so much for having me, Patrice. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Like, so I have to tell people this, that we both kind of stumbled upon one another without even knowing that the other knew of the other type of thing. So I was recently on Allie's podcast, The Purpose Show. And before we started, you start telling me about how you were Googling one night and found me. And I'm floored because I had stumbled upon you on Instagram. And I was like, who is this cute little lady? I like that. And I didn't even know, like my husband and I have been listening to your, you know, especially last, like a year and a half ago, when I first found you, we were listening to your podcast together and like, this lady is amazing. This is so good. And I had no idea that you were also following me on Instagram. So it's just funny. Yeah. Just meant to be. So um, obviously, you know, then that I really believe in the space pillar and I really Mm -hmm. believe in setting up your life to support you. But I think it's one of the areas that people struggle with quite a bit here. And I'm going to say my theory. My theory on why people struggle so much is because they are chasing this idea of perfection. When it comes to how they're going to, you know, live their life, how they're going to get organized, how they're going to bring order and peace to their space. And I was watching a video of yours on IGTV where you were talking about doing the opposite, kind of doing the opposite. Like this stuff should be built around you. Can you just kind of talk about from your experience, where do we begin our uncluttered journey? And does, is it some perfect land out there? 
Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it, obviously a lot of it comes from within people. Like we just kind of, a lot of people struggle with this idea of perfect. And like, I just don't want to start because it might not be that. So I'll just wait and stand still. And it's like, no, the opposite needs to happen. But I think also, especially in the world of space and minimalism and all this stuff, that's kind of picked up and trend the last like five to seven years. Perfect is taught by a lot of people in charge or like leaders in this industry. Um, And it's very perfect. It's very like, you know, do this at the end of every day and just like all your stuff has a personality and soul and you need to take care and go through this whole ritual for it and like doing it, lining up the carrots and the crisper so that it's not visual (laughs) clutter. And it's like, you know, I don't know what I would be like if I didn't have kids, but I'm pretty sure I still wouldn't be like that. But I do have kids. I have a lot of kids and I have a business <laughs> to run and a purpose. And like, I just don't even have, I don't even, it's not even about time. Like I don't want to give my time or mental energy to that. I just want to have less crap so I can go focus on living my life instead of cleaning up after it. Yeah. So that's kind of more where my head goes. And then all the perfectionism just kind of falls away and it doesn't even have something to stand on. And you just need to just go, like, just start getting rid of stuff. Start with one thing. So you are really known for your minimalistic viewpoints, right? Can you really break down what minimalism mean? Because I think that some people hear that and they immediately think, oh, you live in a tiny house. You know, like that's the new thing. It's like, Hold on. There was minimalism before tiny houses. Let's not get carried away. So what's your definition of minimalism? Yeah, I think for me, it's how can I have less of what doesn't really matter? Things are nice and it's, it's, it can be a distraction and it's not like, you know, it's just, it's not just unnecessary. It's like, how is this serving me? Is this helping me be set up to live on purpose and to like really get to the end of the day and feel like, yes, good job. I, I did a good job here. I focused on what mattered because the more stuff you have, the more you're maintaining. So for me, it's really like, um, what is serving me? What is creating a space that is set up to support why I'm here, the life I want to live, how I want to feel day to day, the purpose that I have in my family, in myself, in my business. Um, And when you look at it like that, not a lot passes that test. So it just kind of is less by nature, but it's not for me about like, what's the bare minimum I can have? Like there's these guys that show like, oh, we have a hundred items each. And they like pride themselves on that. And they have their houses empty. It's like a tomb. It's so depressing. (laughs) And it becomes less for the sake of less. And I want it to be less for the sake of more of better things, other things, Mm. like more of what matters. Um, So I just really don't subscribe to the whole like minimalism trend and the like white walls and succulent, like one little succulent on the counter. And like, just, I just, uh, I like design. I have a beautiful home. I love my home. I like that kind of stuff, but if it doesn't support me doing what I need to do in that space, it's out. Yeah. I love that. You remind me of myself in the finance industry where people would make assumptions, right? That I was automatically frugal. So in the same way, they'd be like, why would you ever drink coffee? Or, you know, like, why would you go to Starbucks? $7 latte. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I wrote three books sitting at Starbucks, right? So the trade-off was wonderful. If I go to Starbucks twice a week, And I'm buying one coffee while I'm sitting there, maybe two if I'm feeling froggy. And, you know, but I'm writing this content and creating content that's actually creating tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Why would you stress me about $7 a week or $14 a week? Like to me, it helped me get through that process, right? Mm -hmm. And there was a bigger picture that mattered more than the smaller thing that folks wanted me to focus on. And I feel the same way. It's like, People make an assumption that because you believe a certain thing that that automatically makes you some extremist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, oh, you're Ali Casaza. You must have the most minimal house of all time. And it's like, (laughs) actually, no, (laughs) I don't care enough 
to focus. It's not, it's not about like the legalistic side of things for me. Mm. I just don't think about it very much unless I'm talking about it and teaching it. Like I'm really not thinking about it. And that to me is the point. Go and do other better things. Don't sit there counting. Well, does Allie has have three genes or does she have less? Does she have more? Like, what should I do with my genes? Just live your life. (laughs) Like have what you need and, and create a space and things and a closet and a living room and an office that supports what you need it to do for you and go live. Yeah. One of the things that you talk about too is simplicity, right? Mm -hmm. This idea of simplicity. And I was listening to a podcast episode of yours where you talked about basically, you know, through trial and error, you've learned that you simplicity can go wrong. (laughs) Like if you don't have perhaps the right understanding of what you're actually trying to simplify or maybe even the right motivation or intention. You told a story about your eyelashes. I've been there, girl. But there's like other things. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've tried magnetic strips too. Those were not my <laughs> ministry at all. And yeah. I also sleep on my face. So I understand why, you know, getting the, the lashes. It was more time. Yeah, yeah. It was like more time trying to fix what I had smudged in my sleep and in the shower. That's a whole other thing. But you were telling a story about even trying to simplify processes in your business. And I think I I totally resonate with this, but can you just kind of tell us a few lessons that you've learned about what it truly means to simplify, but with purpose, like in the right way. And sometimes it's only trial and error that we learn, but Mm -hmm. you make some really great points. Yeah. I think that like, for me, I hear a lot of business leaders talking about the things that they've delegated, the things that they've gotten off their plate so that they can do other things. And I think like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like you never know unless you try. So I try it. And sometimes it's magic. And I'm like, how did I not do this sooner? I totally just simplified. And sometimes it is just not. And I realize like simplicity is relative. So for, you know, let's take James Wedmore for an example, because I love him. He simplifies his business and delegates his business. He talks much about that on his podcast. Um, and it works great for him and sometimes for me, other times something he would suggest, which that's actually the example that I was talking about. Um, I think that's what I talked about on the show is like, I got an example from somebody and I was like, this is great. I'm going to do it. And it just totally didn't work because I had delegated my zone of genius. Yes. (laughs) Like, I think that for me, actually that really overcomplicated my business or it just would, it takes so much time and I'm good at that. Like when I put my hand to that part of my business, magic happens. And I like doing it. So like why less is not always more. I think that sometimes if my, if I, my zone of genius is creating content is, um, coming in and just speaking life and touching something, a project and making it better and fusing my soul into it and not letting somebody completely take it. And if that takes a little bit more time, it's still going to be simpler than if I gave it away because it's not going to work. That piece mm-hmm. of content will not convert. It will not reach the women that I need it to reach. And it's that's not simpler. That's more complicated and pointless. It's also a waste of money because I needed that piece of content to do what it needed to do. Um, so I would rather take 30 minutes and do my own thing to it and then kind of ship it off and let my team get it out into the world and know that like that was the simplest version of that task for me. Maybe not for James, maybe not for Patrice, maybe not for whoever, but for me, that was the simplest form of that. I also think we can get really carried away with trying to find the simplest form of everything and like obsessing over it to where we're constantly asking that and like chasing what's the simplest version of this. Like maybe I could, maybe I can make it less. And I feel like, girl, just (laughs) calm down, like take a breath, just live. Like it's okay to learn slow and to grow slow and to figure things out as you go. Um, I've been in my business for four years now and I just now feel like I know exactly what needs, what needs me and what does not. And it's not a lack of minimalism or simplicity that took this long. It's just being human and living life. So I think put things under the light of simplicity and hold it up there and ask like, is this, could this be simpler? Is, is simplifying this stressing me out? Stop, Go, come back to it another time. Is it bringing you life and helping you see like, oh my gosh, there are like 10 things on this process of having a webinar come out that I could let go of. And that simplifies and makes me feel so much better. Then great, that's life-giving. Simplify that right now. But you can't force your process of growth as you learn and grow and change what you're doing and what you're not doing. 
That is so good. That is so good. It's also a lesson that I learned in my business recently is that to your point, I was listening to a lot of folks around me who were just talking about essentially putting in people who I'll call middle management, right? Mm -hmm. Because our genius is the content. And so we need to be protected from all the things, right? Mm -hmm. So all the systems and all the things that go on in the background, we don't need to worry about that. Which to a point, like, because I have, I'm technologically challenged in in several (laughs) ways. So like, there are definitely things I should not touch, but it morphed into me just not having a real grasp on every, on on my business because I was so secluded in this zone of genius, right? Mm -hmm. And I realized after this, this experience that I just had, like, no, like, I don't have to do all the things, but I know I need to know the things that are being yes. done. <laughs> and, and don't you feel more of like an energetic connection to your, the people you're serving and to your business? Like, yeah, I don't really need to know like how many downloads the podcast has and like what's going on with the, you know, our email service and like the problem, right. but I might have a suggestion. And also whenever I talk to my team about that and I kind of go sit in on those team meetings that I stepped away from for so long and hated it, I I get like, even if they're talking about something completely unrelated, just being in that energy, I always leave with ideas. Yeah. So less time is not always the answer, the way to simplify in your business. Yeah. One of the things that you talk about is just how when you find your idea of a minimalistic lifestyle, that it reduces stress. And I don't know, I mean, this has been proven over and over again. There's so many like statistics out there, but what do you say to the non-believers who are like all these things and all this stuff and all the steps that I take to do every single thing, that's not stressing me out. It's gotta be something else. There's a magic bullet. People don't believe that by clearing clutter, you can really decrease stress. What do you say to those folks? Well, I say like, have you tried it? (laughs) because the second there is something so deeply therapeutic and amazing about actually like getting a closet cleaned out and you feel that. And what do you like, what do the women say to me every time when I just tell them to just start in the bathroom and just try it, start in the bathroom. It's easy. Yeses and nos in there. No sentimental stuff. Just see how you feel just getting out your bathroom. And they always email me the same like couple of things. And it's always like, I had my coffee in there this morning because it's the only clean place in the house. And I just wanted to be in that energy. And I'm like, yeah, now imagine if your whole house felt like the bathroom does right now and you didn't have to drink your coffee next to your bathtub or your toilet. Like you'd feel pretty good. And I I think that people that say that either are avoiding the work, they don't want to do the work because it is, it's, it's actually ironically complicated to simplify your space. It can be a lot of decisions um, and tiring. But I think if you just start, even you don't have to get out of the perfectionistic mindset. If you just start one area and then it's like, you feel so much more energy flowing in that space. Like I like to start with where I'm spending the most time. So if I was Mm -hmm. currently in old Allie's lifestyle, I would probably start in my office now because this is where, as you always say, like money, profit, revenue, creativity, ideas, service, love is throwing flowing through this space. Like I cannot have energy stuck in the pile of tech cords in the corner. Like I just can't have that. So I don't think it matters exactly where you start kind of go where, what floats your boat, if it's the easiest space or the most used space, but just start and try. And I dare you to tell me that you don't feel a difference. Like it makes such a huge difference. It really does. And I know you heard that episode where I was talking about my original, or we may have talked about it on your podcast, but my original office was like the place where all things went to die in our house. And I had to really look around one day and go, is this the space of a woman who is saying she's she's becoming a a six-figure business owner or Mm -hmm. a best-selling author or any of these things? Your space truly represents what you, I, I think it represents what you believe about yourself. I agree. And what you believe that you are worthy of mm-hmm. and where you're headed. I, I, every level I get to in the business, I mean, I'm doing this consistently and I'm reaching all my goals and you are too. So I feel like there's something to this. And the next level I'm like, okay, 
I want to get to multiple six figures per month. We got, we got to six figures a month. That was a big goal for a long time. Now multiple six figures a month. What does a person that makes $350,000 every 30 days, what kind of space does she work in? And I designed my office to what that felt like to me, because Mm -hmm. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to get to the next level. And so it goes to everything, how you feel when you climb in your car. I have four kids and my car is clean most of the time. I think Mm -hmm. that's a pretty amazing feat because I know, (laughs) I know that like, if I get in there, I earned that car. I love that car. I bought that. That was the first thing I bought for my family by myself with my business. It is so special to me. It it totally has an energy around it. And whenever we have to like trade it in because it poops out, I'm going to be so sad, (laughs) but I need to get into that car and feel like, yeah, this is clean. This is my space. This is where I drive to take my family around. And I earned this. Like this is the result of what I manifested. And I take good care of that. Same with my office, same with our kitchen, like same with everything. It's Mm -hmm. what are you, how you treat your stuff, how you have your things set up. That's how you are with everything. So you better watch it. Like, I don't know anybody who is incredibly wealthy and successful and self-made and got there, you know, through whatever their purpose is and working hard at that and is not also like fit and exercising and moving and, um, financially sound and wise and checking in connected with their money, watching the flow of that money. I don't know anybody that I want to be like that isn't all of those things. Mm -hmm. And the space can be the first step, like the first domino that knocks all the others over. I really agree with you, especially about the car stuff. So one joke that I always have on stage if I get to space is I love that people will blame their junky, nasty cars on their children. And I'm always like, how many of you have kids? And people raise their hand and I'm like, you know, so what's your car look like? And people are like, oh, my kids, my kids. I'm like, where did they learn that from? Mm -hmm. Right. Because if we taught them that any space that we occupy is sacred, and should be treated as such, you don't throw chip bags and mashed Cheerios into the rug of a sacred space, right? Like that is learned behavior. So I know someone's listening and you are mad right now. You are rolling in your car right now, looking around. And I hope you feel convicted. I want you to be convicted because I want you to understand what you're saying, Ali, is that that energy That Mm -hmm. energy is everything. And I don't know about you. I get so many divine downloads when I'm driving in particular. So I'm always pulling over because, but I also have that space set up for that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how many divine downloads come with 19 pairs of shoes in the seat next to you. They don't. And And I think like, (laughs) I think too, like I used to always joke in my business about like years ago about how my car was the only non-minimal place. And like, I'm not fixing it. And it was like a total mess. And I would joke about it and like excuse it away. And then I got this new car and I earned it. And I was so proud of it. And I just couldn't let it get me. I got pissed at my kids when they were just (laughs) doing what I showed them was okay in the car. And now we don't, we're not like that anymore. And you know what else? Like when we drive somewhere in the morning, we do affirmations as a family and we speak life over our day and each other. And like, I just don't think those ideas and that energy would flow. Those things would download to me as a business owner, as a mother, as anybody, if I had Cheerios and crap shoved in the corners and gunk in the cup holders, like I just don't, I don't think that would happen. And I'm also like, my kids see us taking the car to get detailed every Friday. We get both cars detailed. And I know I'm teaching them like, this is how you treat your things. Like this is important. They know about energy flow and they've seen that. So even if you are a parent, you have, you know, I've got four little ones. Like you can still show them. Like it doesn't need to be this way. Motherhood is not an excuse to be a complete joke. (laughs) It's just (laughs) crap everywhere, anywhere. Like showing them that and teaching them that it's important and practicing what you preach. So do you agree with this then? Because I truly believe that how we treat our space teaches other people how to treat us. Mm -hmm. So as you've been, you know, on this path, and I don't know if you were born this way or, you know, it's kind of evolved over time, right? Have Mm -hmm. you noticed a difference in who you even allow in your space? Especially my office. Okay. So I have this sign in my, in my, so my office is a rented apartment. It's right across the street from my house. And this is like a 
it's free space. It's just here when I'm not working. So sometimes like or my sofa will pull out into a bed and we can have people like come and like stay here. And that's new. Like the space is new. It used to be in my home. And so I just had my designer make me and print me out a big sign. And it says, I might get it wrong, but it says, um, creativity and love and abundance and profit flow through this space. Um, what you say is energy. So don't you dare say anything negative or anything that coming from scarcity or lack in my space. I'll let you use it, but do not do these things. And it literally has a list of things not to say. And then the last rule is to ask yourself, like, what would your life look that like if you lived by these rules all the time? And that is like, what you said is so true. And I I made that sign or had my designer make it for me. And when I was writing out what I wanted him to put on it, I was like, this needs to be in my house too. Like this, I have no more tolerance for people coming into our home. Like people will come over and negative speak. And all I can think of is like, oh my gosh, like maybe I'm getting like too woo woo or something, but I'm like, can I burn sage? Like, should I do something? Like they just brought this energy and you can, I'm telling you, you can feel it and it's heavy and it just lurks. Somebody recently came over. It was a relative of mine who's just so in this lack space and it's manifested in his life. And he made a comment about our refrigerator. We got a new fridge and it's the one with the LED screen on it. And mm-hmm. it's like really fun. And he goes, well, that must be nice. And just things like that. Like, yeah, it is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, what is your problem? And he just was there for the holidays and just like left that through my home. And I didn't want to give it power, but I was aware of what it did, what it did to me, what it was doing to the space. And I really did. I went through and I just like laid hands over my house and prayed and was just like, no, no to this. Like we speak John 10, 10 in this space. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really think you're right. And when you, it goes back to it again. Like when you are the fit, the fit thing that you always are talking about, you are a fit, well person as a whole, when you are building wealth, when you are taking care of your space, when you live like that, people just, they have almost like most people, not that man, but most people have like a, just a general like respect for you. I've noticed people are more aware of my boundaries. They seem to ask me less, like take, take from me less, kind of more like step lightly around us. And I think that's great. (laughs) Yeah. You know what though? But because, you know, that part of us that wants to be a part of the tribe, right? Like that old school, you know what I'm saying? Like the words are escaping me right now, but it's that like primitive part of you that Mm -hmm. wants to be a part of the tribe that can be intimidating, right? Mm -hmm. Because what happens is when you are trying to, basically live by the pillars, right? You're trying to implement these things and your consciousness about all of this stuff has just been raised and you're, you're living different, you're speaking differently, you know, you're, you're feeling different. And then you have those family members or those people who have known you for a long time and they throw out the little jabs. And they say little things like, oh, mm, so now you don't, oh, now you don't. Well, aren't eat. you oh. the healthy one? Like, like oh, <laughs> right. that must be nice. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. They have all the little things. Many people retreat from doing the good stuff because they don't want to be seen as too good or not a part of the tribe. Do you have any advice for, or just any thoughts around how to push past that anyway, no matter what yeah. those little sayings are? Yeah. And I, I, I absolutely do. And I think firstly, like, it's not to say that I don't struggle with retreating. Like there are, um, fitness goals and health goals. That's always my area of struggle. If I'm going to not, not make a goal very fast in an area, when you come to know your six pillars, it's that one. Um, and my husband and I have both been there. And so we're kind of like, that was kind of my area of struggle. So if I am like going to retreat somewhere it happens. It usually happens there. Never with money. I'm over that. I'm like, no, I got big gold. I'm not stopping, but Mm -hmm. everything is connected. So if I stop in one area, you see that in my business. If I'm not taking care of myself, you know, um, I don't feel good. My skin breaks out. I don't want, I shy away from going live and doing videos and my revenue tanks, like it's all connected. So when somebody is jabbing at me for up leveling and living this really abundant life shamelessly, that's hard. It's hard to take. And I absolutely struggle with like, 
talking myself down to less than I actually am around people. Like somebody will be complaining about work or like how much they have to work and it's so hard. And I'll find myself struggling to not be like, yeah, like I'm so tired too. Like it's just like so hard. And it's not, I love my job. I love my the hours that I work. I'm so fulfilled. So I struggle with that. But I think like, I always come back to like when I sit and I'm in my meditation time and I'm just sitting with God and like in that space, what always comes back for me is if I take myself back down to the level of the status quo, there are literally women, people out there right now who need my message that will not be reached because I went back. I retreated and I went back to less. And I know one day I'm going to stand before my maker and I don't want that to be there. I want to know that I went all the way in and really gave it my all, despite the fact that people probably make fun of me all the time or try to find a flaw to pick apart because I'm living this amazing life. It really on paper is way too good to even be true. Yet here it is. Um, And I think that it, it can't be just about me. It can't just be about me not having to worry about money anymore, not having to worry about all these things anymore. It's got to be about what's the purpose behind it, which is what drew me to you is that word purpose and coming back to that. Um, it's always been what God has put on my heart is that word. And like, when I come back to that, I don't care if somebody makes fun of my fancy fridge or my clean car and there's, Oh, your house is always so clean. Like it must be nice. Like I I don't care because I know that if those things falter, then I falter. And then my message doesn't get to where the people who need it the most. And I've got lives to change. So, Mm -hmm. oh, well. (laughs) Right. Oh, I love it. That is so good, man. That is so good. As you were speaking, though, I could even tell. And it didn't it didn't click for me when I asked you the question. So it's so funny, though, that as you're answering, I could tell or I could recall a couple times where I haven't necessarily tried to match someone's misery, right? Mm-hmm. But I have retreated from sharing the truth of, you know, yeah. what I do have going on. Held then, back. Yeah, I've held back, you know, because it's like a fine, it, it, it's like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to boast, but I've also learned that when people are sharing things, they're not looking for my coaching. So I have to like manage because I'm like, well, why is that? Well, you know, you don't have to do that. You know, you don't have to, (laughs) you know, so it's like people are just wanting to share and sometimes you just have to sit and listen, but it is hard to not want to go, let's fix that. Like, what can Mm -hmm. we do? What can you do? Like, have you cleaned up? Like, are you working out? Because for me, everything starts with the pillars. So it, no, it really you know, does. It, you know, it all, yeah. it's physical. It's always physical. Um, I'll do this thing sometimes when, if I just kind of feel like I'm in a rut or I've lost my drive or depressed is not the right word, but sometimes I'll just get in like a lull. Like, I'll just kind of be like, ugh, like I'm not feeling. And I always go back to the physical. Like, am I, is, do I need to cut something out of my diet? Do I need to like, maybe like implement some more walking. Do I need to clear clutter from anywhere? I always start with physical and I always write it out. Like what are the problems? And every single time, no matter what it is, it comes back to, am I sitting still and meditating? Am I moving enough? And if I can just fix that, it always domino effects into everything else. And it is like the, the biggest secret. And I want everyone to know, like it's, it's literally always physical first, then the money flows, the energy flows, the relationship, the toxic person, you feel like you have what you need to like remove that from your life. Like it all starts with physical. If you're not taking care of yourself and eating healthy and moving your body and sitting still at least once a day for 10 minutes, at least you will not have what you need to do anything else, no matter how unrelated to that it it feels. I'm so glad you said that because now, now you guys know it's not just me because <laughs> I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over and over again because I am and I'm going to probably say it until God tells me to say yeah, it differently. It's true. Like it's, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of you being proof, Allie, who were you before the Allie that we all know out here online yeah. and social media? Yeah, it was pretty rough. My husband and I met in like seventh grade and we're like friends and in love and like got married super young and 
kind of like fell backwards into life and being parents. And he got a job at a really big company that does like tech and internet stuff. He worked there for a lot of years and it just was like barely making ends meet. Then like life got really crazy. We got in debt and all this stuff just kept getting worse. And then his company made cuts and we were like not making it at all. We're not making ends meet at all. It was so far from making ends meet. And it was really bad. And we had like cars taken from us, which was the worst thing in the world. It was so hard. We lost our place that we had to move. We were always moving and always saying like, oh, we just like wanted to try a different house. And it was because like, we were not welcome and like to renew the lease, like they didn't want us there anymore. And it was so embarrassing and awful. And I had decided to take action on this idea that I had had with this business that I'd just been kind of sitting on for years because I just... We were pushed up into a corner. Um, they moved us to the Northwest, our, our Northwest Arkansas mountains. So I'm in the Midwest, in the mountains, it's freezing. I'm from Southern California. I was miserable. I did not fit in there. Everyone hated us. <laughs> and I, I was miserable. And I, I don't, when I'm pushed into a corner, I will find a way to fight back and get out. And so I did. And I started the business. And long story short, we had like a, the opposite happened. I say overnight and that's an exaggeration, but not too much because it was very fast. We literally went from like nothing to like, how are we going to make this box of cereal stretch to like 800 boxes? Cause we can't afford food. We went to a food bank for the first time ever while I was starting the business. And it was like so awful, so awful. And then the business exploded. I had intentionally gone viral. And when it finally picked up and went viral, my business exploded. Um, cause I had my, made my course and I had everything ready for people. And we made seven figures in like a year and I was a solopreneur. So we really didn't have any overhead. So mm-hmm. that amount of money was like in my lap. And I didn't know what to do with it. And I found, you know, all these money blocks and all these things that I didn't know how to name them. And um, I was just sabotaging our money and getting us back. I kept mm-hmm. getting us back to the place we were in because that was all I knew. And it's amazing how I did that. That was a lot of money. <laughs> and I just kept like, I made sure that we were still living paycheck to paycheck. Except like, it was what, What's an example of stuff you would do? Um, I, my biggest thing was I was blaming it on generosity and like giving it all away, like literally giving it all away and being like, Oh, I'm like so holy and sweet. Literally. I was just self-sabotaging to make sure we stayed where we were. I also like bought things that we just didn't need and I'm teaching minimalism. And I was literally like, comfort blanket wrapping myself up and like, look, I, this couch is from anthropology. It's not from the dumpster, like, (laughs) like comforting myself. Some of the stuff was good and fun and I don't regret it. Like we took trips and we lived, Mm -hmm. we had not been living. It was so hard. So those things, I don't feel bad about those things, but I definitely was like giving it away. I was like loaning friends money because they had like helped us out. And I was like really overdoing it. And I think that there's something to be said for generosity, be getting more generosity, but that is not why I was doing this. Mm -hmm. I was like dumping the money out because I just didn't know how to handle it. And my dad had always told me like, if you don't go to college, you will end up flipping burgers. That's what, like, that's how we were raised. And I didn't go to college. I got accepted into a very elite Southern California private college because nobody told me that I could get in there. So obviously I had to do it. And then I dropped out because I hated it. I didn't want to go to college because I'm an entrepreneur. I didn't know it. Um, And so I felt like if I make this money, if I make more money than my dad ever thought possible, I am going to embarrass him so bad and like prove him so wrong. And so I had, do you see all the stats of self-sabotage? And then the whole thing about, I was raised in a very religious school where women stay home and have babies. They do not make money and they certainly don't make millions. And my husband is like, that's ridiculous. Like, this is amazing. Go, like, I'll support you. He left his job. Like he was supporting me. And I was just sabotaging the fact that I was the breadwinner. Like I just couldn't, I was so not in touch with myself and who God made me to be. I just didn't know what to do about anything. I just got rid of that money as fast as I was making it. But that's when I Googled and found you. 
And I, then that kind of led to other things. I started reading like, um, the, like Jen Sincero and um, yeah. kind of getting into a little bit of Tony Robbins even and like yeah. Lori Harder and like yeah. Chris Harder and his money course and all your stuff and your podcast. And I just surrounded myself with like, who's the opposite of me right now? I'm going to, those, these are my friends now. I am just going to listen. I mean, Patrice, I listened to podcasts and audiobooks all day long, any chance I could get. I did not stop. And eventually I, I mean, I did the work. And I did that inner like journaling and I prayed through everything. I really worked through it. Um, and I just learned to own how amazingly smart I am at business. Yes. And that I like not only should be making a lot of money, but can keep it and you put it away it. and give away portions of it as it suits my revenue. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I mean, I always am still doing things like I always tip like a hundred percent everywhere I go to 100%. So I still have those pieces, but it's not breaking me, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I, I learned, I mean, I'm summarizing so quickly, but I learned how to be a rich person Oh, because I didn't know. <laughs> that is so good, Allie. Oh my gosh. That is so good. You said something the other day when we were talking and I don't know if it was on your podcast or we were just chatting before or after in between, mm-hmm. Um, but you said, I think something to the effect of like, that you loved your home and that you weren't yeah. leaving. Mm-hmm. And one of the thing, and that stood out to me because I know our episode was about downsizing, but so often what happens is when people do start making a lot of money, the first thing is like, oh, I'm going to like double quadruple, you know, my house and everything that comes with it. And when you said that, I was like, good for her. Like I, I didn't yeah. have a chance to say it out loud, but I was in my, you know, in my spirit, I was like, good for her. She gets it. But I, I didn't think know it's where just you got about it where you're, Yeah. I think it's just about where you're supposed to be. Like, I just know this is where we're supposed to be. And I love my home and I know I could get something up in the mountains. that's giant, but I just, maybe someday that will feel like the next step, but it's not right now. And if I did that, it would be so for wrong reasons. Um, but we've definitely had people that like, we've had friends that have just completely fallen by the wayside because we weren't the poor ones making them feel better about their lives anymore. Um, Um, and so they've said things like, well, if you're, if like, we talk about money on the podcast, I've Mm -hmm. shared openly my business story. So you know, people Google you when your friend is kind of like an influencer, you'll Google them. And so they know, I don't mm-hmm. tell them what we make, but they, they see it online. Mm-hmm. And we had this one guy who came over and um, came to a party that we had and he drank way too much, totally got drunk and was like, well, if you're so rich, like your house would be better by now. Like you would have a better car. Like, I just think it's all BS and started like ranting. It was really weird. And um, later my friend that was there said, well, you know, he was just saying what all of us are thinking. Wow. And I just thought like, why does what you have equal what you have? Right. You know, like why, why, what if we just gave a lot of it away? What if we just have it in savings? What if we just don't want that right now? God is not calling us to matter in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And my house is like, I love my home. I love it so much. It is such a happy space for me. I like having neighbors right there for now. Maybe one day we'll be like so famous and so rich that we can't do that anymore. (laughs) And that'll be good. That'll be fun for then. But that's not right now. Right now, this is so good. I love it. My husband and I said the same thing when we were moving back to Atlanta, that we would not choose the home based on what other people feel like where we should live, right? Mm -hmm. Like other people's perceptions of, well, you're this and he's that. So you guys must be, we were like, we're going to choose a home that our daughter can grow up in and have neighbors Mm -hmm. and like have kids that live right next door. Like the homes that we were looking at would exclude us from Mm -hmm. being neighborly, right? Because you can't see another thing or anything. Right. We were consciously like, we, we like, that's not what we want. But it was so hard. Yeah. Because it just is like as much as you, but you, if you can pray through it and work through it, great. And if you have a partner that can get on the same page and really focus on what brings you joy and peace and contentment and not mm-hmm. trying to fulfill what other people's perceptions may be, or even some story you've made up about what, where you should be mm-hmm. like, that is so good. And it takes a lot to do that. 
Like for sure. And I think that it's also, it's, I know that one day we have, we have goals, we have things we want to do, but it's just not right now. I just feel, and I know like, you know how that is when you just, you follow the piece and I just do not feel good about moving from this house for whatever reason, if it's like the school system or the people, the friends, or just my heart, because inside I want to up-level that house because I want to show everybody, see, we're not poor anymore. (laughs) Because we were, this is where we lived when all that was going down and people knew we were the ones that always had the crappy cars, always had things, weird things happening because we were broke and we were trying to hide the fact that we were broke. And that comes up for me sometimes, but that's not why I want to buy that house. I want to buy a new house because it's time. It's time for us to move. We have a purpose behind it and goals that are aligned with where we are called to go next. Um, and that's just not the case right now. So why force it so that people can talk about how rich I am? Girl, <laughs> they don't even need to know. Right. And because they're going to talk about you when you get there. Then they'd be like, oh, so now Allie thinks she's big stuff because she's got the big house in the right. hills. It's like, you know, <laughs> you can never please people. So, oh my right. gosh, I just adore you. Before I let you go, Allie, I have to ask you our rapid wisdom questions. Okay. Um, so just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. Got it. How do you define success? I think feeling that inner balance of, I am not worried about money. I'm not worried about if I have a connection with my family, if my, if I have my kids' hearts, if my marriage is good, I feel connected to God, I feel successful and centered and solid and confident to me. If I'm in that place, things are going well. And that is successful for me. Awesome. How do you define wealth in three words or less? That is so hard off the top of my head. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to fail everyone right now. (laughs) (laughs) I think wealth in three words or less is abundance in what you need abundance in and purpose and peace peace for sure. I knew you were going to say peace. You know what? In my mind, and I never do this, but I had answered for you. Thanks. <laughs> In my I mind, because <laughs> you, you said follow the peace earlier. And I was like, oh, that is so good. That is wealth. Like follow the peace. Yeah, that is. If that's, mm. if that's how you can make decisions and you're so centered and co- quietly confident that that's it, I think that is for sure wealth. That's so good. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? I'm going to go back to Jen Sincero because that book, You Are a Badass and You Are a Badass at Making Money. money. The difference wasn't just like wealth. It was like, oh my God, money is everywhere. You don't even see money hardly ever anymore. It's just invisible and just flowing constantly. I can literally create it. That is when we went from like wealthy, more money, more revenue and keeping the money. Like this is just something that's just a tool and I can get as much of it as I want. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorites. We read that in uh, Patrice's pod club. Yeah, okay. Like fill in the blank. My name is your name. And for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Allie. And the truth about wealth is I'm going to reiterate what I just said. Like you can build as much of it as you want. There is no ceiling unless you set it for yourself. So go get it. <laughs> yes, go get it. Go get I it. love it. Thank you so much, Allie. This was so good. Thank I you. Yeah, you. I loved this. Thank you for having me. All right. Didn't I tell you she would be great? Allie is amazing. Definitely check out my episode on her podcast, The Purpose Podcast. We're going to link to it in the show notes. And I want you to really connect with what she said. When she was looking to be better with money, she surrounded herself with really good content from people who were the opposite of who she was right now. And that just really stands out to me because we are so influenced by the folks that are around us. But the thing is, they may be just like us. So it's really important to look at that and go, you know what? I want to be around people who are the opposite of this. If you are struggling with staying tidy, perhaps, well, you know, we're in the midst of physical distancing. Um, So 
Maybe you can't surround yourself right then and there, but I've learned even with my Instagram, you know, who am I following? I follow intentionally a lot of fitness people because it motivates me to really stay on top of the fit pillar. I follow a lot of mental health professionals because I love the quote cards and the, you know, different things that they post that just remind me to take care of myself. And yes, I have an awareness of these things, but it's what am I surrounding myself with? And Allie just made such a great point about that. I didn't want it to be lost. And follow the peace is sticking with me. I don't know about you, but Think about what it would be like if every decision you made right now, in addition to being obedient, if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out the episode several weeks back, Obedience Over Everything. But in addition to just being obedient, like what would it look like to only make choices rooted in peace and not panic? Because we're in a season right now where folks are panicking and they're not necessarily making the wisest choices. But what if you could follow the peace? (sighs) That's really good. Something to think about. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I definitely enjoyed getting to know Allie and recording with her. Um, And make sure you hit her up in social media too and just tell her that you heard her on the Redefining Wealth podcast. If you are not a purpose chaser yet, I want to remind you that you can join our absolutely complimentary community. It's at IamAPurposeChaser.com. IamAPurposeChaser.com. You can join us. We are diving into a new book for the month of April. We have Patrice's Pod Club where we discuss books every six weeks or so. Come and check it out. Come and be a part. Come and share your before and after spring cleaning pictures. Get some accountability with uh, Purpose Chasers from all over the world. It would be so cool to have you there. And that's it for me. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.